So talk about a little bit more, maybe some specifics about what we should think about when we want to do kids club. How can we um, think about what we're doing? Because a lot of us do have a program now. Um, probably mm-hmm. a lot of our listeners anyway, I would guess, are involved in a kids club. There's certainly a, been a big movement for that over the last 20 years. And I appreciate the some of the goals that started that. It was a thing of reaching out and saying, hey, man, there's a lot of people in urban areas we haven't met. We haven't done anything. They don't mm-hmm. they don't get to go to church. And churches close in urban areas is what I see. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think, yeah, there's some good things starting. So what can we think about now just going forward? How should we think about Kids Club? Yeah, so I have a few things to consider. If you have one or if you've been involved in one or if you're looking for something different, if what I'm saying here is convincing and that maybe there's a different way forward, right? So one thing one thing I think we should all ask ourselves, and this includes any area of life that we're in, anything that we're doing as a church, as a people group or whatever, has this program or this thing run its course? If you look back at an organization, for example, in our, in our collective – um, the Tidings of Peace has been going for 27 years, right? And I came into that school, my first involvement was seven years ago when I was a student. Um, well, no, when I was a support staff, I was just a student the year before that. Anyway, what I knew of that school was very different than what the people who started it out knew it as. And so we had eventually we had to look at the vision. What, why did this school start? We asked Clayton, why'd you start this school? And then we realized we're not really doing what the original vision set out to do. And so we did some work to realign, maybe tweak and adjust. That's a very normal and sensible process to go through. Why is it that kids clubs don't do the same thing? And here's the thing. A lot of them do. But what we discovered at um, Urban Workers Retreat, people are beginning to evaluate but they don't know where to go. They don't know what they don't know what, what's out there, what options there are. They're not creative enough, whatever it is. We'll play a clip here from Rick Rhodes um, from UWR about three, two years ago um, talking about this very thing. I have something I want to say. I think this group of people would make more impact if you would go home and cancel all your programs. Preach. And each one of you would just pray that God leads you to one person to reach. So, yeah, you have to ask, so if, the, if the system isn't meeting its own objectives, maybe the system's run its course. And if you don't even know what the objectives are, that's a really bad sign. Because I guarantee you, when that started out, people had objectives. Whether they were written down, whether they were understood, there was a purpose behind why it started. But so often, that has lost its, it's, it's lost, it's been lost in the sauce. And I, you've heard already, I might question the objectives. I might not even like why it started. But it's better to have a plan and execute the plan than just move into a place and start spreading around all your light and salt because y'all are not very good at it. It doesn't work out very well that way. Um, Think public phone booths, fax machines, phone books, DVDs, Polaroids, GPS devices, you know, paper maps. They all have utility. They all have purpose. People still use them. They still exist. But there are things that we look at today that have better uses and are more, more common, right? 
And so I compare kids clubs to those things because it feels like there, there are ways to reach a community that better serve most of them. There are some communities that I've gone to see their kids clubs and I'm like, y'all are doing a really good thing here. Right. And, um, I think there's one in West Virginia that I really like, you know, I, like I went there and visited. And I'm like, you know what? These kids, like they're having a great time. I think you guys are doing a great thing, but I am 100% convinced that there will be a time that is not the best thing for that community because communities change. And so we have to change with them. Every programmer system should ask themselves the question, does having a system get us where we want to go? Right. Is this, is a system at all what this needs? Qua talked about this in the last episode I'm not sure if it's in the one that's to post yet or if he shared about it in, his, in the one that aired. There's obviously a part two coming out. But he talked about how he just felt like Philly had needs that were not being met through what they were doing there in Philly. And um, he gives a really good talk on that, whether it's coming out or it's already there. I don't think it's out yet, so we'll yeah. wait on that one. So it's coming. Teaser. Yep. So another thing is evaluating your resources. <laughs> what are you using your resources for? You know, as Rick shared there in a little little snippet, uh, he said you'd be better off just going home and reaching one person and pouring into them. And the whole point of that comment, as controversial as it was, I got a lot of emails. I brought <laughs> to Illinois to unpack that with a group um, because it, it stirred up a lot of questions. Um, what? And to be clear, I agree with Rick. But <clears throat> is is this the best use of resources? You have 20 people here that all want to serve Jesus and all want and all know Jesus. That's important too. You have to have faith. That's when I'm going to get into the, the fact that some people were coming into York for kids clubs that weren't saved, you know, and, and it was evident and they weren't ashamed of it and they're living lives today that, that show it. But we just, because we care about them, we let them be involved. And I'm like, that's not okay. Yeah. It's not okay. You wouldn't do it for your kids and your Sunday school program which maybe you would, but it's less common. Don't do it in the, in the city where I'm from. Right. Yeah, that's um, interesting. And so, yeah, it's, it's far too common um, how, how often that will happen, but what resources and 20 people that are all on fire for God, that all mean well, that it may not be using the resources properly is an incredible resource for the kingdom of God. That's right. And so when I go to a place, I was just in Illinois two years ago, great people, and they were evaluating, are we using ourselves in a, in, their, in a good way? And I was very, this is why I drove out 12, 14 hours to go see them, because I was impressed by that. And I think they did actually have people move into the city there after all, and they were doing mentoring programs instead and whatever else. So that, that's, a, to me, a, a victory to, to, to evaluate. We're not all being used the best way we can. Let's reorganize. Some questions to ask yourself. What impact would you have on a couch in your living room versus your church basement? I'll tell you what. Going into a musty church basement for kids club <laughs> is probably not as good as you making them a snack in your home, having them sit on your couch, and having them a part of your home for an evening. And doing that every week for a whole year, sometimes for years, sometimes their whole childhood, is life-changing, right? That's right. You'll be invited to their weddings. You'll be invited to the, to, you know, you'll be, you'll get to know their family. Their parents will get to know who you are because any good parent will know who you are because they're in their home every week. Right. So it's not hit and run. It's not jump in and jump out. It's you can't play on your comforts because somebody on your couch that um, stains it or, or came and is acting up or you're, or they're not happy with you. It feels differently when they're on your couch. Okay. And so it forces you to have some, an interpersonal connection with them. And it also raises up, you know, the stakes. 
And that's really, really good. That's important if you're going to have a discipling relationship with this person. Um, or if they're ever going to take up the cause and actually pour back into the into the um, relationships that are there. And so, for example, here in York, I have guys nights. I've had several generations of them now. The current one is pretty small, but I'm also working full time in a different position than I was before. So it has to be small. And um, if any of these young men, and some of them did, wanted to take up more ownership, which they were invited to do many times, um, they weren't going to become a teacher in a system. They were not going to become a Bible school teacher. They just had to step up and take more ownership in my home, right? And sometimes we had it at their houses because they were taking ownership. They talked to their mom and say, hey, can we have a cookout here and have our guys group there? And we did that. Sometimes That's they brought cool. money and said, let's go out to eat, you know? And next time you guys bring money so we can, we can all go out and enjoy together, you know? They didn't have to take a role or a title. They just poured into the group more. It was so... Co- common sense it was like regular relationships right put more into it and you'll get more back right mm-hmm. and um and so anyway neighborhood parks rec centers restaurants are there neutral spaces that you can meet spaces because one of the issues like i mentioned before is the soapbox method that we get this potentially even unsaved mennonite guy who's 16 17 18 years old or girl whoever they are and we put them up on a box and we say you're fit to teach children in Chicago. And I'm like, are you crazy? Right. And, and I'm not saying we shouldn't spread the love of Jesus at any age that we are. What I'm saying is, is that it may be more effective for them to be solid Christ loving exemplary people that connect on an interpersonal level with them than to think that they can somehow frame or, or tell the story of the the scripture, which you're going to skip Jesus anyway. Right. Probably. Um, Because he's the hardest to talk about when you're young, especially, or you haven't actually practiced to do something on your couches or on the park in the parks and end with a conversation about God. Yes. Geared around a scripture, geared around a story. That's, that's all, that's what it should be. But I'm telling you, it's more effective. Um, I cannot say that enough, but I think I have said it enough. So I'm going to move on. Yeah. I'll reiterate Mm -hmm. that though. So Mm -hmm. for, in my experience, for sure. The kids that have been in my house and, you know, there's actually only a couple that I spend a ton of time with, but yeah, I feel like, I mean, well, for one, I like them. They're kind of fun. Um, kind of fun. Like I actually like them to come over. It's, it's mutual. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I think that's one of the first things that has helped me have good relationships is when it's a kid that I, I want to be around as much as they want to be around me. Um, and then, yeah, my house is open, you know? And yeah. we, we did, uh, my wife, I, I helped a little bit. My wife had what she called a cooking class that got out of control real fast. But, um, mm-hmm. suddenly we had like 20 kids in our little house trying to cook. But anyway, that was something where the kids were in our house doing something positive. Um, and then, you know, she'd gear the conversations towards important things in life, ask them about their, how school's going and relationships and had some really neat stories with that. But, I tell you what, those kids, I can see them out on the street here anytime. And I'm still, you know, an important person in their life, even if I haven't seen them for a while. Um, and it has to be that time. I don't, I didn't do that much else with them. So yeah. Yes, yeah. sir. Same way here. <laughs> yeah. A few final things here. Um, just to, as a way of practicality, I want to keep this as practical as possible. Um, some some things that you can hand over to to young men and young ladies in the city. 
right? And I'm not saying that all these apply to all ages, but some of them do. Some of them are universal. Um, you wouldn't believe you could try, but you can. Um, one of them is location. Two is schedule. If you allow them to pick when the lesson happens, they're so much more interested and in, in into it because they felt like they, they had a, a say in that. Um, and so it's as simple as saying, do you want to have this in the beginning, the middle, or the end of, the, of our time, right? And don't let them pick every week. N- nail something down. Structure is important. But why are you the one deciding that? You don't have to. And, and the reason why you should let them do that is there's power in letting them do that. There's power in allowing them to do that. And we can't do that in schools. In school, they come in the first day, they get their schedule, and, that, and that's, that's it. <laughs> their structure is created for them. In a living room of a group of people hanging out together, they certainly can have some say in what, what you're doing, right? Third is snack. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Manny and Qua both touched on this. Um, they both hated the snacks. Uh, no, what Manny said is that he liked the snacks in the homes, but he didn't like the ones at the, the clubs. And then Qua was just like the snacks were always terrible, right? And so there's a lot of potential in, um, again, doing this in your homes or in neutral settings. Um, let them have a say on the snacks. Ask them what they like. Get what they like. Just do it. It, it, it's 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 just that little touch of respect that you know we're a group that moves together. It's not just about what my culture is going to bring with my mint tea and my pretzels. There's stuff that y'all like here too, and I guarantee you it's going to be hot Cheetos and Takis. But it's okay. Do it. Wait, they right? mint teed you? They mint teed me every week. Oh man, every week. I mean, I love so, mint tea, but I know where I grew up too. Hey, Ain't no I kid like- around here. They look at it and wonder why we drinking grass. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it eventually too, about ten years after I had it. But it's not something I would ever serve the guys here in York. Another yeah. one is culture. Um, if you let them have a sense of responsibility, they will enforce the culture for you. Um, any good teacher knows this. If they take a ownership of that room, you won't have to correct the students as much. You won't have to correct the people in the room. And so when you're doing a again in your living room kind of style. Um, or in their living room, or in, however it sets up, you'll find that there are some parents that want you to have it in their home. It's pretty incredible. Um, they, um, If you allow them to have a sense of ownership, they will take it seriously. It means a lot more to them. Aqua talk about th- talks about this in an upcoming episode a lot. Um, if, if, the, if this guy, I think what Qua would do is he'd give them one guy money and say, bring snack next week. And if they didn't bring snack back, it wasn't me that was mad. I'm a grown man. I'll, I'll, I'll go to my refrigerator and get a drink. I don't care, right? I'll go to my refrigerator and get a soda. I should say soda. Drink sounds bad. Anyway, um, and but these guys will be on them because they let the group down, right? Um, and so establish that kind of atmosphere and culture. Now understand that if your group doesn't get along or they don't like <laughs> each other or they hate each other, that you're probably going to be setting them up for failure, right. but that's not always the case. Sometimes these guys have better relationships with each other than you have with them. Okay. Capitalize on that. Um, last few here. If one of them is Christian, get them involved. Austin got me involved at an early age and it changed my life. Another one, turn your lessons into discussions. Um, resist the temptation that to, to lesson plan, uh, some kind of cute, awesome devotional. And instead find a way to get a topic, get informed on it, and and get these guys talking um, and discussing what they think about these things. Don't be afraid of their comments. Don't be afraid of the backgrounds they come from, the things that they say. If they can't say what they're feeling, they're not learning. It's just simple as that. 
And finally, let them plan getaways and special field trips. I've told people many times, you go out to cabins with your friends, with your family. If you're going to treat these guys like family, take them out on getaways too, right? And when they're older, make them pay. Find a way to get the money. Don't just take them out and spoil them. And don't buy them guns. Goodness sake. Don't buy pellet guns. You'd be surprised, comrade, the things that I've, I've seen happen here over the years. What? Um, we have, we've had big brother programs here in New York. We've had... Um, and then, yeah, a kid goes home with a, <laughs> um, I don't care what it is. Don't it, give them it, no guns. Yeah, it was, Not it was even, done oh, man. with the best intentions, but the things that happen here, yeah, parents take note of. And so, yeah, when you build enough trust between you and the parents, you can do some pretty crazy things instead of buying them a pellet gun, um, take them out to Virginia on the cabin. Okay. That use the trust in a, in a, in a smart way. All right. The, um, the fourth thing, or the third thing I wanted to mention, the first two here, um, have your program, has your program run its course? Uh, what resources do you have and are you using them? Um, this third thing, am, am I thinking collaboratively um, or am I thinking with a conquest mentality? And so I want to be very careful. I have a, a man that's really special in my life named Stephen Russell um, who helped me to wrestle with the idea of, of conquest, <laughs> of calling people colonizers. It's a mean thing to say, okay? His whole point was people don't intend to be that way. Don't call them something so sharp. So I'm not calling people colonizers. Um, What I am saying um, is we can behave if we're not careful with a colonizer's or or a conquistador's mindset if we're not careful, if we're not like Christ, all right? Short of Christ, we are all have potential of being like those people, okay? That's all I'm saying, and everybody can agree with that. So a collaborative mindset versus a conquest mindset. A collaborative mindset is humble. It recognizes how little they know, right? Teachable. They can learn from the elders and pillars of the community. Think Hispanic cultures, right? Rod, um, mm-hmm. Rod and Jesse from um, Lighthouse in our collective, they could talk about this. Those grandmas are very wise, right? And I, and I have a spectrum. I, have a, I had a student that, whose grandma hated me because I was wet, Right. And then I had a, a, a student who grandma loved me because I was black, right? And so you never know what you're going to get. But I always had a posture of learning from those older people, respecting who they were. And I encouraged my students to do the same. If I encourage my students or encourage my, the, the people in my life to respect their parents and elders, and I don't, that, that's, that's hypocrisy. Um, they're reverent. They recognize they're a guest in the host culture. There's a give and take. Right. Again, not taking personally that whole who are you mindset that they get back from people. Look, man, you moved there a year ago, two years ago. Stop. Stop expecting to be treated like a um, like a savior. You're not. OK. Um, and finally, they're secure. Their identity is rooted in Jesus. And that's the way to combat that problem. The way to combat insecurity is by being secure in Christ, knowing who he is to you. And we see all people who are persecuted every we don't see them. Out. That's part of the problem. They're persecuted and, and killed for their faith in Christ. And we can't have mean things said to us without breaking down. It, it's, it's just, we got to have stronger, stronger skins. Um, don't go to cities lobbying for praise and thanks. Go in to love and serve. Because I'll tell you what, I don't get lo- praise and thanks in my neighborhood. And, <laughs> and why would somebody get one because they're visiting? It doesn't make sense. It, it's a whole concept behind it is selfish. We have to be very careful that if we want to be treated like everybody else, we have to expect to not receive <laughs> awards because nobody gets an award for living in their city. Right. Okay. 
So don't expect you to get one just because you moved in. Um, conquest mindset, on the other hand, is elite. Me and my people are better than your people. I have the prize to offer, not you. I've seen people do this. They come in and say, I want to move into the dark city of York or the dark city of Harrisburg, dark city of Detroit, because I want to spread my light. And I'm like, man, I just, something about it just seems and sounds wrong, right? They, you almost have to have this mindset in order to have a conquest. You have to believe that you're better than people around you, that your people are supreme. And where I'm from, we call it racism, right? We call it ethnocentrism. We call it, um, we stay away from it. We hate it, right? If you come in with that mindset, it will show, it will exude off of who you are. Um, and to be clear, you'll be accused of this sometimes when you're not, right? Racism or ethnocentrism, those things get thrown around at people who really don't exude it because of how sensitive our times are and the media right. is so trashy, right? But a lot of times we, we could all do well to become less elite and become more humble, okay? Now, you're, you're saying that and I'm going, yeah, I know I do that. Yeah, and, and I do too. I, and I've, it's I've just lived how it is. Life. I think we're people. I think I think us Anabaptists tend to do a little worse, maybe because, mm-hmm. I mean, to be honest, there's a reason I'm an Anabaptist. It's because I think we got some things together. Yeah. Now, having said that, that ain't very humble, right? Just to to live in that forever. Yeah. Second is being high minded. They don't respect or value what what was and is there before them, right? And so, <laughs> I I told um. My, my church, I, I preached last year. I said, one of the most, I forget where I read it, but one of the most powerful things I ever read from a missionary was um, they said that I had to learn and recognize that God was doing work in the place they were going before they ever were born, right? God, I'm, I'm joining this work. I am not creating it. I am not unique. I am not the, um, I, you know, we often Again, using the word like hands and feet of Jesus, I'm not against that. That's that's fine. That's that makes sense. But we shouldn't believe or or fall into the trap of believing that we're that we're the special ingredient in the sauce. Okay, um, God is supreme in every way here. God God is the one that brings this salvation, this light. He's the one that gives a gift of faith. And so, if we come in high minded, that that's such a perversion, and fi- and frankly, it's blasphemous to God. And so, we have to make sure we're not high that we're teachable. We're not high-minded. Third, this is my least favorite, um, is callous. They're indifferent to the wisdom that waits in collaborative efforts. Um, they like the food, not to dress up like the people in their culture. They like to talk like them and listen to their music and um, all these things. But the people are just the people. You know, they're they're cr- they're criminals. They're they're dirty. They're whatever. People like this are the hardest for me to love and respect and, and to talk to on their level because. It's far too common if we can be reverent versus callous, recognizing that, you know what, there's so much more here that I don't, that I don't have, that I can gain and learn from, um, but I'm indifferent to the, bene- to the wisdom that you have. I had one time somebody ask me, um, is there even anything good in the city, right? You talk about all the brilliance <laughs> in the city. Is there even any, anything good there? I mean, without Christ, they're all, it's all pointless anyway, right? And I'm like, oh. Well, yeah, your whole culture of Anabaptism, everything's pointless and worthless and evil except for God, right? They didn't like that, right? And so the way we talk about other people and their cultures, man, that that makes a world of difference. Um, I'm probably too easily offendable in this way, I'll admit, but um, a lot of people that are that way here. Yeah, and I... Go ahead. I'm going to jump in on that one. Um, So I I really like to listen to you about that kind of perspective. That's one of the things I've valued about you, Keyshawn, is... 
um, being able to hear you say that part. And I, you know, obviously I don't see it quite like you do because I'm not in your shoes. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's fine. I, I'm not trying to act like I do, but, um, I think it is actually hard for me to, to listen to somebody else. Um, when some of the objectives we measure success with, you ain't got right. And Mm -hmm. One of the things that shows to me is how I measure success. So if I don't value what you have to say about stuff, that means that I measure success in a way that doesn't fit you, if that makes sense. And so (laughs) it shows that, you know, level of income is something I care about because I can write you off because you don't have income or, um, you know, it shows that relationships and, and people liking you somehow is a big deal, which is fine. I mean, all these things are okay, but it does pull out my values um, when it, when I show what I'm indifferent to. Yeah, absolutely. So again, just to, just to review those, humble instead of elite, teachable instead of high-minded, reverent instead of callous, and secure instead of insecure. This last one, insecurity, persecution mentalities, right? Um, why don't people appreciate or value me, Right. I've seen this happen um, firsthand and, and over across many places. A big clump of Mennonites get together and they start to feel not appreciated, undervalued. All we ever talk about and care about are the black people in the city, are the people who live here. And I am I'm meant to feel less than for how I live my life. And I'm like, look, guys, if I ever make you feel that way, then I apologize. Right. I, I don't want to make anybody feel unsafe or unloved. It's not loving. I want to serve every way I can, right? Love everybody equally. And I have failed many, many times in that area. And so if anybody comes to me and says, you make me feel insecure today, I believe them. Um, that's a, maybe been a recent development in my life, development in my life is to recognize that for me, I have such a loud and open and honest personality that I can do it to anybody, not just them. I do it to young men sometimes, the young, the young people that I'll minimize what their, their identity unfortunately. But, you know, it's very important that for us personally, while fighting for other people to be validated and valued, we don't confuse ourselves to be the ones that have to protect our own validity, our own reputation, our own value. That's not what God told us to do on this earth. Okay. And so the only way to really succeed in this area is to have security in him, to know what we are in his eyes, to know what we are for him. And to know that we are, we are actually way more loved than we think we are. Okay. Um, we come from supportive groups and supportive um, mm-hmm. families that that they're hard to rival. Okay, and mm-hmm. so we have That's to recognize right. that we have so much more than we than we believe we do after we just got cussed out by somebody, right? Um, so those are the four things, the four contrasts that can help us not be um, conquest with a conquest mindset and instead have a collaborative mindset, a mindset that's thinking collaboratively with the community as opposed to trying to go conquer the city, you know. The, la- the last thing I want to mention here, I, again, re- reviewing a little bit, um, has your program run its course? What resources do you have and are you using them? Are you thinking collaboratively or with a conquest mentality? And finally, does this community need what you're bringing? I think about James um, 2, 15 to 17. Uh, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs. What good is it in the same way? Faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action is dead. Now I'm recognizing that that whole point of that statement 
is the last sentence to, to, to help people understand faith by itself, if not accompanied by action is dead. But that concept is, is traceable throughout scripture, traceable throughout God's heart for, for us, that we are not just banking on the fact that we're good people because one, we're not right. But we're not just banking on the fact that we are special and we have the, the secret sauce to just spread to everybody. God, God's very clear. I'm the special one here. I'm the one that's great. Um, and, and thank you for your faith. Your faith is great. And I will reward that, but you know, we need to make sure that we're postured to God properly, um, before we can be postured, um, properly to other people, you know, scripture says, says, be ye doers, right? We need more doers in the city. We need more people who are, who are in the city, less preachy and more dewy, right? We need people to come in, um, and serve with the right mindsets, the right posture and love people. And, and meet those needs. And so we look at kids club, what need is it meeting? Well, sometimes I don't really know. Sometimes I go to a place and I'm like, I don't really know why you are doing this. The kids come in and they hate you, right? They, they don't, you don't, they don't respect you. You don't know what you're doing. You should probably stop the program. Okay. And there are other times I've gone, I've gone places and I'm like, you know what? This is really, really special. This is actually pretty cool. And whether or not I think it's good or not, doesn't really matter, but there's the community that you're in. <laughs> Um, need what you're offering them. And it can actually come across disrespectfully to just come in and demand that you know what's best. Yeah. I mean, I'm aware of a school um, in our collective actually that has a holiness pastor on their board. And um, the whole idea behind that was not for him to come in and give spiritual insight or biblical insight over the school or the church that's there. The idea behind it was we just moved here. We don't know this community. We don't know this city. And so we need someone in our corner, in our group that knows this place to teach us. And that's why they did it. I think that's beautiful, right? I think there has to be clear, clearly identified roles on that, on the board and what they do and what they offer, what they're, what they're there for. But man, if we could think that way, if we could think collaboratively versus like conquest, we do more of that kind of stuff. If we thought collaboratively versus conquest, we would see more first-generation Christians rise up in our churches, in our kids' clubs, and pour back in their communities, right? I told one group, I don't think you should end your kids' club because there, you have a few guys here that would that would excel leading this for you. So what I need you to do instead of instead of ending it is get out to get out the way, right? Instill some of these young men who are Christians, who are faithful, and, and involve them. Make them teachers. Raise them up. Mm-hmm. You know, use the system to help them. Don't use the system to impose on them. As long as your system is helping the people who are there, you won't hear a peep from me about whether or not it should exist. You might hear me criticize the way it's being done, the objectives, but if it's meeting a need, this is why I would never say close down that food shelter, close down that food distribution company because people are hungry, right? I might yeah. say things like, well, they're, they're being a little too ambitious in their, in their vision to say that they're discipling people by handing out ramen noodles. Okay. They're, they're meeting a very real practical need that we were commanded to do as Christians, but that's not discipleship unless you're actually sitting down and relating to them. Okay. And so yeah. the system is fine as long as it, we know what it's for and it's actually meeting the need that's present there. And every city is different. The city of Philly is, is, is the exact opposite of the city of York. The city of Reading 
is really, really weird, but it's different than your opinion. Okay. <laughs> and so we have to recognize that we really need to help the people who are there to help us understand and know what's best for this place. And we'll do better in 25 years than we do in our first year because we'll, we'll understand better what was needed and we'll become a part of that need. We'll need it ourselves. And so, yeah, if I could end on a, if I, if I could say what's the gist of this whole, the whole thing is make sure that you're thinking with a collaborative mindset, because if you see the value in the people around you, if you recognize people that, that are there in that city, in that place, in that suburb, wherever you're doing, you're in a suburb. Because some of these places, kids clubs, kids clubs are in suburbs. Mm-hmm. Um, we're the Urban Kingdom podcast. We talk about cities, but they exist everywhere. Um, making sure that you come in postured as a servant and not as a wolf. Not as a lion. Yeah, and I, yeah, I appreciate that. I think, I think one of the things I keep hearing you say is get some data from your community, figure out, you know, figure out stuff. And I'm, I'm real hesitant of that. For one, I don't necessarily want to hear all they have to say Mm -hmm. um, because they probably will have some things to say about me that I don't want to hear. Um, But yeah, get that data from the community, get, get um, some people in the community involved. I like the idea of getting um, a board member that's a community person. And yeah, I mean, yeah, there's some, technicalities with that just making sure things don't get off the rails but you know my relationships with some people here in in the city i live in are are very different because i taught with a bunch of people at the public high school here and so i know some of the city leaders actually the current mayor was a math teacher at the high school with me and we yeah we know each other fairly well so that's just a weird setting and and he values what we're doing in this end of our town and he values um, me as a person because he happens to know me Hmm. and he sees, yeah, I really appreciate when he says, hey, this is something your church could get involved in in this end of town that I think needs doing. Yeah. Like that just, I don't know, that sets us up for success, honestly. He's lived here his whole yeah. life. He actually lives in this end of town. Um, and so, yeah, he he knows he knows better than any of us. And if we can collaborate, there's your word, um, with him and with the local people, um, I think it really has helped us, Um, really helps me feel like I'm doing something useful. Yeah. Yeah. 